Thank you for listening to the podcast of Antioch Church, a Christian community in Bend, Oregon, being formed by the story of a God who is making all things new, including us. You can learn more at antiochchurch.org. Thanks for listening. All right. Good morning, everybody. It is so good to be together again. I'm trying to figure out how it's colder today than it was on Easter, but it's still good to see your faces out there. My name is Sean, and I am one of our pastors on the team, and I'm excited to dive into one of my favorite passages today. But before we do that, I want to do two things. And the first thing I want to do, and this person is absolutely going to hate this, but We need to celebrate the one and only Kip Jones, okay? He is right here on the camera, on the soundboard. And during this digital season, when you guys all sacrificed so much, Kip was filming and editing and uploading and YouTubing and doing all these nerdy things that I don't know how to do, but he was doing them awesome and the rest of his job as well. So... Kip made our digital liturgies happen, so Kip, thank you so much. Are you okay? Okay, okay. So the second thing that I want to talk about is that today is Mother's Day, which has always had significance for me because I'm a mama's boy. I love my mom. I have an amazing mother-in-law, like All the mother-in-law jokes don't really make sense to me. I love my mother-in-law. And uh, it is a special significance this year because my wife is 21 weeks pregnant with our first baby. So we're super excited about that. But I, I, so I want to wish a happy Mother's Day to all moms in my life, all the moms out there. And because, but also recognize that for some people, this is maybe not a day of celebration or joy or excitement. Some of you may have recently lost a mother. You're figuring out what celebrating looks like as you process grieving. So Mother's Day may not be easy for you. Others of you uh, may be trying to get pregnant and you're kind of living in the reality of that question of, of why. Why not me. And so we know that today may not be easy. Others of you may have a complicated relationship with your mother. Others may not have any biological children of your own, but you have served as a mother to someone else. Whether that was a niece or a nephew, a friend's kid, a college student you mentored, an intern who stayed at your house, or or anyone that you have cared for with a self-sacrificial love, because I'm not an expert, but that's what mothering is to me. And maybe you don't get recognized on a day like today, typically. Or maybe you're a foster mom, or maybe you are a stepmom. Maybe you've lost a child, or maybe you are transitioning to mothering adult children, and that's its own grieving process. Maybe you are a mom with complicated relationships with your kids, or maybe you are choosing not to be a mom. And wherever you find yourself on that spectrum or whatever feelings you have today, we want you to know that we see you and we are grateful for you and we love you. And we pray that you would encounter God more deeply today as you ponder those emotions and feelings that have been stirred up in you. Our text for today comes from the Gospel of John, which is where we've been for most of this season of Easter, so I won't bore you with too many details about the background, but I'll give you a little context for where we are in John 15. 
this chunk of the Gospel of John, it's characterized by a, a slowing down of the story's momentum a bit. And it focuses on the moments and the wisdom that Jesus shared with the disciples on their final evening together. Jesus has washed the disciples' feet and he's giving them a farewell discourse. And while they don't fully grasp it at the time, he is giving them instructions for how to live after he is gone. So that's part of the reason why we look at these texts in the Easter season. So the text says this, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has none than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. If you were able to tune in last week digitally as Pastor Amy rocked it on her first sermon, you know that uh, she talked about the first section of this chapter. Yeah, we can clap it up for Amy, sure. She looked at uh, the allegory of uh, the branches and the vine, and she talked about remaining in the Father's love and staying connected to the vine. And that idea of remaining is developed further by Jesus in these first few verses we are looking at today. Because Jesus actually says something pretty monumental. He says that to remain in the Son's love, to remain in Jesus's love, is to know oneself as remaining in the same love which originates in the relationship of the Father and the Son. So the love that ties God the Father with Jesus the Son is a love that we can participate in as well, that we are adopted into. And this word, which is translated here in our text today as remain, some of you more old school folks may know it as abide, right? Abide in my love. And that comes from the Greek word meno. And I like to use abide because it reminds me of the big Lebowski, you know, the dude abides. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And so what this word means is to stay in the midst of, to let something permeate the sense of your being. And we'll dive more into this later, but this word is never used to describe something static. What that means is that this idea of abiding or remaining, it's not a rigid idea, but it requires us to be ever moving and ever expanding. And the more that we remain in God's love, Jesus tells us that we will experience joy. And it's not a fleeting joy, but a joy that is complete. And it's the joy that comes from being known and seen and loved by God. It's reflective of a significant relationship with him. It's the experience of the abundant and full life that Jesus talked about a few chapters ago. And, and Jesus tells us how we are to remain in his love, and that is to keep his commands. 
pretty straightforward there, but I'm sure the disciples were, you know, thinking, you know, Jesus, what exactly, you know, were those commands? Could you, you know, lay that out? You've said a lot of things. We've been listening, but, you know, make it, make sure we know it. And he says in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. So that's it right there. That is all you got to do. Just lay down your life for your friends. Pretty easy. Um, and Jesus, he's talking about this idea of, of loving others. But what does that mean? What does that look like? Because we tend to use the word love a lot. I find myself saying, I love Dairy Queen, okay? I love blizzards. I love chocolate dip top cones. I say that all the time. And I do have like serious affection for ice cream, but Jesus is talking about something a little deeper here because in scripture, when, when we talk about love in both the Old and New Testaments, it's not confined to the realm of disposition or feeling. It's always related to something that someone does. Love seeks the well-being of others. It's expressed in concrete efforts on their behalf. In the account of Jesus' life here in the Gospel of John, John sets up a little bit of a different climax before the cross when compared to the other Gospels. While the other Gospels tend to include Jesus at what we call the Last Supper, talking about the giving of his body and blood, the climax in John's account is actually when Jesus washes the disciples' feet because this is service and love in action. John cannot imagine an understanding of the word love separated from actions. It's not possible for him. Emily Askew is a theologian and a professor, and about this passage, she says, love in this passage is not a psychological state, nor is it anywhere described as an internal quality. Love is an action, a really difficult action. Well, again, I understand that Mother's Day doesn't generate the same feelings for everyone. Uh, I think that when I think about this type of love that's action-oriented, I can't think about so many moms that do this on a daily basis. Think of so many examples uh, of moms in my life who, yes, as an idea and feeling, they love their children, at least on most days, but they put love into action. I'm getting a firsthand look at the pregnancy experience, but I mean, this stuff literally includes keeping babies alive, changing diapers, teaching life lessons, cooking meals, reading books, all of the gross things you guys do for your kids. The list goes on and on. You know, and dads do this too, but Father's Day is until next month. But mothers have this love. It's so much more than a feeling. It's about countless actions over and over again that show what love is. The command to love one another is actually said by Jesus a few chapters earlier, right after he washes the disciples' feet. Back in John 13, Jesus says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is how people will know you are my disciples if you love one another. We see that John's depiction of the love of Jesus is even more radical than the other gospel accounts. So think of it like this. There, there are a few different levels to this idea. And Sky Jathani, he recently talked about this in his daily devotional. And the first level is known as the silver rule. But it says, you know, do not do to other people what you do not want them to do to you 
which is a great starting point. It's good not to hurt other people. And for some folks, if they just got to this point, that would make a really big difference. But it doesn't get at the full picture of love that Jesus talks about. It's really possible to not harm my neighbor, but still not to love them. The next level, and the one you've probably heard of, and we're talking about parents today, you've probably taught your kids, is the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Jesus shares this idea in the Sermon on the Mount, love your neighbor as yourself. So this is more than just not harming someone, which is fairly passive, but it's a call to be active in love. Dallas Willard says, the golden rule is devoted to the good in the lives of those around us. And this reaches far beyond the mere absence of harm. It aspires towards a remarkable richness in their lives, not simply the alleviation of their suffering. But what we see here in our passage today takes it to the next level. While the other gospels generally say, love each other as you love yourself, which is already great and challenging and hard to do, John's account takes it one step further and says, love one another as Jesus has loved you. Some people refer to this as the platinum rule. And, you know, Jesus has the chops to really talk about loving one another because of what he has done in the greatest act of love on the cross. And Jethani, he talks about it like this. He says, the bar was raised from the mere absence of harm to a human love of mutual concern to a divine love that will accept any cost, even death, to seek the welfare of others. The disciple of Jesus, therefore, is to have his or her imagination of love transformed and elevated from the kind of love commonly displayed in the world to the extraordinary love revealed by the cross. And to have this type of love, to have this type of job, Jesus tells us we are not just servants in this mission. We are his friends. In verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. Jesus makes it clear that those who love like Jesus are friends of Jesus, that we will be friends with Jesus only as much as we love one another. And it's interesting about the distinction he makes here between servants and friends because this word that he uses for servants used throughout scripture by people like Moses and Joshua and David and Paul and James as a term of honor. It was a privilege to be called a servant of God. But again, Jesus takes something that is already good and he elevates it to the next level. He says, you are more than just servants to me. You are intimate friends with me. And this word friend, you've heard of it, phylos, literally means one who is loved. And Jesus is saying that as those who I love, you're not just working for me. You are my partner in this divine mission. We are in the know. Apparently, Jesus, you know, he didn't hear the rule about not doing business with friends or family, right? He's giving up the secret sauce. He's letting us behind the curtain because we are in on it with him. He says that everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. And we aren't just Jesus's friends because everyone else had already been picked. In verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, 
but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you love one another. We are the first pick in the draft. God has chosen us to be his friends. God in his grace, he has approached us with a call and made an offer out of his love. And if we look back at this section, we see that God has chosen us for joy, that his joy may be in us and made complete. He has chosen us for love, a sacrificial love for others. He has chosen us for friendship, not just servanthood, but friendship. He's chosen us as his ambassadors. We are sent out in his name to love as he loved. And what it says here, we are his advertisements. We're called to bear fruit, good fruit that will last. Because loving as Jesus loved is neither fleeting nor evanescent. Loving as Jesus loved is sustaining and enduring. Jesus is saying that he has come so that we will bear fruit that will last. It might be in a single life change because we love somebody as Jesus loved us or a decision we had to make, a task we had to do. Maybe we couldn't see it at the time, but the world can become a different place. And he closes this section up with one final reminder. He says, I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. For Jesus, love is the motivation for everything. It all comes back to love. And he doesn't give us specifics about who to love. He says, love one another. He doesn't say to love those who think like you or look like you or easy to get along with or vote like you or raise their kids the same way as you or love like you or choose to live their lives like you. Jesus is making it clear that to be friends with Jesus was never meant to be an insular idea. If we are to be friends with Jesus, then that abiding love of Jesus permeates our sense of being. It draws us into a love for the world and a concern for others because we're all connected. We love to talk about freedom and independence here in America, which are really, really great things that I'm for. But Jesus is saying that we need to be intricately tied to one another through love which can sometimes look like surrendering, surrendering your personal freedoms for the benefit of another person. But living in and out of this type of love, that is what makes us appealing to the world. So instead of teaching his disciples how to be released from the world, Jesus is binding them and us together as loving friends. This means that friendship with Jesus and abiding in the love of Christ is not a release from the world, but a way of divine fulfillment in the world. So what does this all mean? If we want to stay connected to the vine, to remain in God's love, to abide in God's love, we are to keep his commands to love one another. Well, a personal relationship with Jesus is a necessary component of the life of faith. If your relationship with Jesus just stays there, it won't be marked by an abiding love. We can only be friends of Jesus as much as we love one another and the world and creation. If our faith is only about escaping this world at the end of life, we've missed out on who and what God has called us to love in this life. 
Wendell Berry, he talks about this idea. He says, we can only become what we truly are by acknowledging we do not exist by, from, and for ourselves. Because the type of love that Jesus talks about in this passage and calls us into is not a love of convenience. It's not a love of ease. It's not passive. This love that Jesus calls us into is sacrificial. It's hard. It's active. He, he doesn't say the silver rule, just don't do things to other people you don't want them to do to you. It's not even just the golden rule in this passage. We are to love one another as he has loved us. And his is the type of love where he laid down his life. He laid down his privileges. He laid down everything at great cost for others because Jesus's love is the type of love that costs something. And I have to ask myself this question all the time, and I'm, and I'm asking you too, is, is this the type of love that I have for others? Is this the type of love that I have for the world? Because this is the kind of love that makes sure justice is done in the world. This is the kind of love that makes you venture outside the safety of your community, whatever that looks like to serve others. It's a love that leads to the experience of complete joy, which as we know during this pandemic for the last, whatever, 10 years, it has been tough to come by. But I saw a story that stuck out to me. I saved it from uh, the end of February of this year and it was in the Washington Post and it was an article about joy. And the article told stories about medical providers all over the country who were experiencing this deep sense of joy as they were giving out COVID vaccines to people. There are all sorts of quotes in the article, but all of these people virtually said the same thing. I never imagined how much joy I would experience from giving out a shot. People hate shots. They were, they were saying that they'd never experienced anything in their career as promising or fulfilling, that as they gave out hope to other people, they experienced a profound and a new sense of hope themselves. My wife was giving out shots too, and she said the same thing, because this is what loving others looks like, giving of your time and energy and resources for the sake of others. These people in the, in the article, they were talking about that they were doing these shots on their own time after working long shifts, sacrificing time with family at home, because this was the skills they had, how they could sacrificially love others. And I've talked with some of you who've gotten the vaccine, and one of the biggest reasons is you wanted to put your love for others into action. I was having coffee with someone yesterday from Antioch who said, I didn't really want to get the shot, to be honest, but I did it because I wanted to love the community because ultimately we see that the same love that exists between the Father, Father the God, and God the Son is a love that we get to participate in. That if we are to remain in this unique love, we are called to love others and love others so much so that you're willing to sacrifice yourself, your freedoms, your preferences, your way of doing things, your way of communicating, your politics, your conveniences, your way of thinking, your ideas of the way people should be, your time, and ultimately your life for the benefit of others. Because this is what it looks like to be a friend of Jesus. If abiding isn't static, we have to be flexible and expanding in who and how we love others. And if we are honest, it's a path that is rarely walked by people who identify themselves as Christians and myself included because it's really hard to do. 
And yet it is the unavoidable way of anyone who would seek to follow after Jesus. And what is beautiful about this is that it will look different for everyone, depending upon who God made you to be, who is in your sphere of influence, what opportunities come up. There isn't a one size fits all action. Our task is to work with God to figure out what that means so that we can bear good fruit that lasts to a world that needs it desperately. It's not an easy task because to love like Jesus loved always costs us something. The question becomes, what does it look like for me? What does it look like for you to lay down your life for the sake of others? What would it take to set aside for a moment the familiar, the cherished, whether simply beliefs or practices in order to stand for one another, especially someone different, perhaps even someone on the margins? Because I know that this is what God is calling us into as we join in with him in the reconciliation of all things. So Antioch family, may we be a people who abide in God's love by demonstrating his sacrificial love to the world around us. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, in this beautiful place that we are in together, we listen to the sound of the birds and the water and the wind, and we praise you. We see you in all of these things and we experience you in the people around us. And as we celebrate Mother's Day, whatever that looks like for us today, God, we pray that you would continue to be present, that you would continue to share and demonstrate that sacrificial love that you have for us and that we would be so overcome by the love that you have for us, God that we would extend it to others. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.